Hi, Pastor John here. I just want to thank you for downloading or streaming this service from North Carolina Baptist Church. We pray that it encourages, challenges, and excites you in your walk with Christ as you prayerfully consider ways to impact your community for Christ. A couple things I want to say before we get into our video today. I just want to say that we're praying for you that you know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And if you do not know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you've not made that decision for yourself, you can, right there where you are, you can pray and confess your sins to Christ, repenting and turning from them, asking for forgiveness from Him by receiving the gospel, by receiving His, His grace that He's offering to you in the free gift of salvation, by putting your faith and trust in Him. If you have any questions about that, we'd love to answer those for you. Please reach out to us and let us know. We also want to let you know that if you would like to support what God is doing here at NGBC, we invite you at any time to go on our website, northgoodland.org, or by downloading our church app by going to North Goodland BC in your app store and downloading that right there on your mobile device. You can give a gift of any size at any time, and we greatly, greatly appreciate all the gifts of generosity that go towards the ministry here, helping us to do what God has called us to do to reach this world for Christ. Now, we invite you to prepare your heart to lift up the name of Christ, to be stirred by his word, all for his glory alone. Well, good evening and welcome back to our Sunday evening service. I pray that you've had a blessed Mother's Day today and uh, we're able to spend some time with your mom and uh, just enjoy some time together as a family. Um, and again, I, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. Um, tonight, what we're going to do is something a little bit different um, because, as I mentioned this morning, we are having uh, services as normal next Sunday. And so May 17th, we'll have our normal uh, 10.30 a.m. service and then also our Sunday evening service. Um, next Sunday night, what I would like to do is spend some time just reviewing uh, Romans chapter 10. Uh, for those that weren't able to watch it online or weren't able to be a part of those services. Um, and then the following week, we'll get into Romans 11. Uh, we finished Romans 10 last week. And so I'd like to kind of do some reviewing uh, again next week to kind of catch us all up, make sure we're all on the same page before we get into the new chapter. And so again... So thankful to, to worship with you tonight through this means, but I'm also very excited to gather together next week uh, in service, in person, and see how God will continue to lead. Uh, tonight, what I'd like to do, though, is I want to talk about a passage from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, and I pray that you do, would you turn there with me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 14 is where we're going to start. And what I want to do here is I want to share that this is just a great encouragement to all of us as followers of Christ, not just during a time like this when there's uh, different opinions of different people and different things that are going on. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of tension right now um, as far as among a difference of opinion about how to handle and to move forward with some of these things going on. Uh, but I believe this is a great encouragement just in general, dealing with the health of the body of Christ. In this passage, we see the idea of what some have called body life. And what that means is that in the body of Christ, there is a general idea of keeping the health and well-being, not physical health necessarily, but spiritual health uh, of the body of Christ in mind. And obviously we know that as believers, various personalities, various backgrounds, very different opinions, when we all come together as the body of Christ, one in Christ, we still have that unique individuality. We still are who we are individually, but we come together as the body of Christ. And so Paul, in writing to the church of Thessalonica, to the church of the Thessalonians, that's a lot to say in just a short amount of time, he's encouraging them. 
And he's letting them know some great ways to keep in mind that unity. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus uh, in Ephesians. He talks about keeping or endeavoring to keep the unity in the spirit, right? That we have oneness in the spirit. There's a peace and a bond in the spirit. But we as believers need to endeavor to keep that. What that means is it's already there by the working of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives. But we have to be guarded that we don't allow anything to come in and to rob us of that or to take away that joy that we have in the Lord, that peace. And so I'm going to look at this tonight just real quick and share some thoughts that I believe we can be encouraging each other in the body of Christ and be keeping in mind how we can uh, encourage, support, and comfort one another as we desire to have a healthy body life. And so speaking about the body of Christ, meaning the church. And so let's pray and ask God to lead God and direct in all these things. Father, we thank you for your grace and love today. We thank you for a great day we were able to spend with family and friends. We pray, Lord, that you would just be encouraged or that rather we would be encouraged by what you do in our lives today, that you would be glorified. And Father, we pray that you would bless, lead, guide, and direct as we open up your word and we desire to understand clearer uh, in, in a real way how we can apply these truths to our lives. Father, I pray that you again would be the focal point of all that we say and do. Help us to keep the health of each other in mind in regards to spiritual matters, not just thinking physically, but spiritually, Lord, and what is the best for one another. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for this church and all that you're doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians, wow, okay, 1 Thessalonians, that was a blunder. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, verse 14. So if you have a Bible, read along with me as we look into God's word. Now, it says here in verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, so believers, other, other Christians, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow after, I'm sorry, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And so he's speaking here to the church, but he gives us some things here, some encouragements, some, some admirations, some things that we can endeavor to do in our lives. And I want to start by breaking apart who these different people are in this passage. And again, remember, he's talking about the church, this idea of comforting one another, encouraging one another as believers, looking at ministering to one another. But I love that he says it's not even just about to each other. It actually goes to all men. And so I want to look at this a little bit tonight and break this apart. So in verse 14, he says here, Now we exhort you. So he's, I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm encouraging you. It's a stern kind of an, it's a wise counsel. To exhort someone means to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to do this thing, and it's really, really important you do it. it it's, it's so valuable to you, and it will benefit you if you do these things. I exhort you, I, I encourage you, brethren, other believers, to do these things. And what are the things that we're called to do? First, he says, to warn them that are unruly. Uh, this unruly group of people that could be in the church this, th these are individuals that are saved. Maybe they are followers of Christ, but they are not following Christ. So what I mean is this. Maybe they know Christ and they have a passion for Christ, but they're starting to kind of drift away from sound teaching and sound doctrine. Uh, they're drifting away from truth. Without careful warning and without encouragement from the believers to this group of people, they may be saved, they may not be saved, they could become false teachers. They could become 
those that would cause division in the church. They could be those that um, get so hung up on a certain thing in the church that they end up causing issue and strife over these things. Um, many, many church splits have happened in churches, not because of the majority of the church, but a very small minority in the church. Um, in fact, most divisive, divisive issues in the church um, come from a small group of people. We're talking four to six people. Um, and we've seen that in our own church. We've seen division cause uh, church splits. We've seen division cause animosity and, and frustration and hard feelings among the body of Christ. And what's amazing is these are people that profess to know Christ. They're people that I believe know Christ, but they got so hung up on this one issue or this one area that they could not see any other way. They just couldn't understand how this could possibly work out. And they were drifting away from truth. They weren't really understanding the truth of God's word. And so what do we do with that group of people? The people that seem to be drifting away from truth. We lovingly, but we warn them that, listen, these decisions you're making will lead to this. This is, this is what's happening now. But if we don't stop this, if you don't make some different decisions, it will lead to this over here. It's going to lead to destruction, to damage, to hard feelings, to hurt in the church. And so this group that's unruly, the way you would actually translate that would be they're out of line. Uh, it actually is a military term. It's where you have a big formation of soldiers and you've got some soldiers that begin to kind of march in a different way. They march away from the majority of the soldiers. They're not following in formation. They're out of line. They're out of order. And so in the same way in the church, there are those that maybe with good intentions, again, maybe they know the Christ, maybe they don't. We've seen examples of this. Obviously, over in Jude, we see a group of individuals that uh, I don't believe are Christians, that are the false teachers that came into the church and they looked good on the outside, but get, they began to cause division in the church. That would be a group that would be unruly. And so we need to warn them as those that are followers of Christ lovingly say, hey, that's not, that's not true teaching. That's not what the Bible actually says. That's not the gospel. And we lovingly invite them back into that fellowship. We encourage them to come back into line. And so again, many, many people that would be considered unruly in a church that begin to kind of drift out of line, they may not be doing it because they want to cause division. They may just be doing that. It may just be uh, they're thinking this or that's the best for the church. They don't know or understand that this is really going to cause division. And so what do we do? We warn them. We let them know what their decisions are leading to. Another group that he points out here in the passage would be, so he says, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded. Now, Feeble-minded does not actually mean anything to do with intelligence. It doesn't mean they're not as smart as anyone else. Really what it deals with is the idea of being faint-hearted. Faint-hearted. Uh, they tend to see things on the negative side. They tend to see things as always kind of doom and gloom. And also, because of that, they tend to quit. Um, and think of it like a family. Um, as you're parenting children, as you're raising your children, maybe you've raised children, maybe they're grown now, uh, sometimes in families... You have children that, for various reasons, uh, maybe things don't go like they think. Maybe they tried out for the team and didn't make it. Uh, maybe they think they're not good enough. Or they're not smart enough. So what happens is they, they don't really know. So before they could get cut from the team or before they could lose this or that thing, they just quit. You know what? I probably won't make it anyway. You know, I'm really not smart enough to do it anyway. And they just quit. They're just faint-hearted. They're not resolved in that idea. And so what we do as parents, right, what do we do? We come alongside them and we encourage them. We say, no, 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 you can do this. 
You can do this. Now, let me be real for a second as a dad. If I encourage my boys to try out for the basketball team, and, and I think they're, they're good enough, they can make the team, but they don't make the team. I'm not going to the school and throwing a fit. That's just life. That's how it is. And so when we encourage our kids to keep working at it, and it doesn't work out the way we think it will, they don't make the team, they don't get whatever they think they're going to get, that's a great way to teach them and to instruct them that, listen, when things don't go the way you think they should, that's okay. You, you just keep going. You just keep doing what God is calling you to do. And so we can't let it cause us to quit. Because in this Christian life, man, there's many, many things that have made me want to quit ministry. There's many things that have made me want to quit pastoring and say, you know what? Forget it. I'm done. I quit. It's never going to get any better. But the reality is I can't allow those failed expectations to stop me from doing what God's called me to do. Because then I would be one, the one being unfaithful and failing at what God's called me to do. All we're called to do is stay consistent, to keep being faithful. And there are those in the church that it's just how it is. They, they are more likely <coughs> excuse me, to, to be faint-hearted. And what does Paul say? He doesn't say jump all over them. He doesn't say condemn them and, and beat them up and force them to keep going. Make them feel really, really guilty. No, that's not what he says. He says, comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort them. Let them know that it's okay to fail. Let them know that God still loves them. Let them know that, that you want to quit. Yeah, I get that, but, but you don't have to. You can keep going. You can keep doing this thing. Comfort them with your own experiences. Let them know that you've been at a place in your life where you wanted to quit and you didn't because of God's grace and faithfulness to you. God gave you the strength to keep going and you saw God do a great work. We comfort those who are faint-hearted. Then the next group he talks about is the weak. The weak. He says here, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Support the weak. Uh, those who are not weak physically, that's not what we're talking about, but he's talking about, again, in the whole context, it's a spiritual uh, ministry. It's this idea of a spiritual life of the church. So those who are weak would be those who are weak in the faith. We see examples of this in Romans chapter 14 through chapter 15. And so what we want to do is we want to encourage those who are weaker in their faith. Maybe they're young Christians. Maybe they haven't been discipled yet. Uh, maybe they desire to please God in all things. And the idea of liberty, the idea of being able to do this or that, that maybe might be different than what they thought. Uh, in Romans, it's the idea of eating meat sacrificed unto idols. Uh, some believers said you can't eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Uh, other believers because the meat, once it was sacrificed to an idol, obviously the idol didn't consume it. So now the meat in the meat market would be discounted. You could actually buy that cheaper than other meat. And so they would buy that meat and then use that meat, eat that. And some believers felt that was wrong because you're giving into and supporting this idol worship. Uh, the other believers would say, well, I don't believe in that idol. It doesn't really exist. It's not a real God. It's, it's fake. And so because of that, I can eat this meat. And that was a division issue in the, in the other church, and Paul had to deal with that. And he says that there are the weaker brothers who thought it was wrong to eat the meat. He basically, and I'm summarizing, tells them, you can eat this meat, it's okay to eat that meat, but if it causes you to sin and to stumble, then I won't even eat the meat. And what's he saying there? He's saying, listen, for the health and well-being spiritually of the weaker brother, I will restrain my liberty to do what is best for you, but there's nothing wrong with eating the meat. 
And in our day and age, there are Christians who are uh, weaker in their faith. Maybe the idea of liberty terrifies them. Maybe they grew up in churches where they were told the list of things to do and don't. And so the idea of having liberty to choose scares them. They're not, they're not matured in that area of their faith yet. We don't beat them up. We don't condemn them. We don't judge them. We don't think we're better than them. All we do is we come alongside and we encourage them with God's word. We let them know this is the truth of God's word. But if we have a relationship with somebody that's younger in their faith, maybe somebody that we're ministering to or ministering with, and they come over your home or you're talking to them, maybe God would have you to restrain your liberty because it's the best for them. I've always said it this way. Many Christians will ask, can I do this or that? Just black and white, can I do this? And the answer is yes and no. There are many things that we as Christians can do, but just because we can do them doesn't mean we should do them. What we should ask is not just can I do this, but ask in me doing this, how will this affect the health of other believers? How will this affect others around me? And so we take that into consideration. Now again, you may choose to do something that another believer says, oh, you can't do that. And that's just their issue. Then I'm not saying you walk on eggshells. And I'll use the example of movies. Maybe you know a Christian that says you can't go to the movies because bad movies are played at the movies. And you have a conviction that, well, I go to the movies, but I just guard what I put before my eyes. I make sure that I don't put things that I shouldn't watch before my eyes. And you may have a disagreement with another Christian about that. I'm not saying you submit to the other believer and say, okay, fine, I won't go to the movies anymore. But what I'm saying is, if you know someone that is at a place where they say, we shouldn't go to the movies, you don't invite them to go to the movies. That, that's the idea. You don't, you don't flaunt before them that you do this thing because that's where now we're crossing a line because we're actually tempting them to do something that they've said they don't want to do and they're not convicted to do. So we don't flaunt our liberty before them. We lead them with the word of God and we encourage them to seek it out for themselves. But we support them. We're there for them. We help them through that. We encourage them in love to live in Christ and in grace. We teach them by God's grace what God's word actually says. Now, to do these things with the unruly, the feeble-minded, and the weak, it's hard. It's difficult. And so what does Paul encourage us with? Look at the next two things he says here. It's amazing. At the end of verse 14 and verse 15, he says this. Uh, Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Two things. Key. If we're going to do what verse 14 encourages us to do as followers of Christ, to, to show this kind of an example before the body, we need to be patient. We don't let someone's immaturity frustrate us, but we see the potential in Christ. We have no idea what God is going to do in their lives. You have no idea the, the child in junior church that seems to always be a pain. Uh, just being real in ministry. Maybe there's a child or there's a person or there's an adult in ministry that always seems to be just at the core of every division, every issue. I know it's frustrating, but Paul's words is to be patient. We have no idea what God is going to do in that child or that person's life. This morning we talked about the support and encouragement of a mom and to dream big for your kids, not just worldly dreams. I'm not talking about worldly, fleshly, you know, uh, consuming on your own lust dreams. We're talking about godly dreams for your children. And when you're doing that, see the potential in them. See what could be. And that's the same thing we're saying here. We're patient. 
We're not rushing into and allowing our frustration or our anger or our emotions to control us. We're being patient. And we're allowing God to give us that endurance and that grace. And then first, verse 15 basically encourages us to watch our motives. We're patient and we watch our motives. No matter the response we get from people, we should always minister in love. We never take revenge. We never take revenge. Just because somebody does wrong to me doesn't mean I do wrong to them. I, I leave it in God's hands. I'm patient. I'm enduring this season by God's grace because this is all for his glory. This is all for him anyway. I never take revenge. I live at peace with all men. I follow after that which is good, not only in my eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord. How can I live at peace with all men? Paul says this, if it's possible, as it, as it matters in you, as it lies in you, be at peace with all men. And I truly believe this is what Paul's saying. I have Christ, I have the Spirit of God in me, I have the peace of God in me, John 14, 27. Because I have Jesus Christ, because I have the Holy Spirit, I have the peace of God in me, I can live at peace in every circumstance. That means I can live at peace with every person. I don't have to get worked up or get angry or get frustrated when things don't go my way. I can disagree. I can share my, my frustrations at times. I can share my uh, opinions, but I don't. My, my demeanor doesn't change. I don't get angry at the person. I merely understand, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you because you're over all this anyway, and I have a peace that passes understanding. Paul goes on in verses 16 to 24, which I encourage you to read. And he shares some encouragement with us as believers to live a godly life which directly affects the body of Christ. What he's saying to do in the church, in this body life type thinking, it's only possible as I'm living for Christ and living that godly life. Revival and renewal does not start at the top and work its way down. Revival and renewal for the Christian and for the church starts in the individual heart and mind, and as my heart and mind are renewed and transformed by the Spirit of God, that overflows into my church family, which directly affects the body of Christ and leads to revival at a greater sense in the church, which ultimately changes communities and changes societies. And so I want to encourage you, as you're thinking about the health and well-being of yourself spiritually, think of the health and well-being of your church. Are you, by God's grace, doing the things that God has called you to to minister to the church so that the church can be healthy and productive for his glory. I'm going to ask that we would pray and ask God to give us wisdom in all these things. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for your word, which gives us the instruction and the wisdom on how to best uh, minister to your church. I pray that as we hear these encouragements from Paul and 1 Thessalonians, I pray that, that we would see them as just that, encouragements to do what you called us to do. Lord, I know we've, we've not done this perfectly, and I pray you give us grace and understanding where we failed. Father, help us to live in a way that honors you in all things and keep our eyes fixed on you and your kingdom. Father, I pray that you'd help us to realize that we need to make sure our hearts and minds are focused on you before we try to minister to someone else. But I pray, Father, you'd help us to know, too, that we'll never be perfect. We'll never have all the answers. So help us to understand that when we are still growing, we still need to be reaching out to others. It's not like we hit a level of perfection and now we minister, but as we're on this journey, growing and walking with you, we minister to others what you're doing in our lives. Help us to be loving and gracious to those that we come in contact with for your glory and for your honor. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. And again, we look forward to seeing you. Don't forget, this Wednesday night, we'll be online. 
And then Sunday, May 17th, we'll be joining together physically to worship the Lord. And we look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you real soon.